Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, we're all a little selfish. And if I was writing that verse or that principle, I'd say, God, there's got to be another way to me to help other people without me having to go through it first. But no, that's not the way it works. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You see, our Christian walk isn't about us. It's about the family of God. Unfortunately, people hurt each other. Sometimes it's on purpose. Many times it's unintended. Regardless, people hurt and get hurt. Some adopt the attitude of do unto others before they do to you. Not a healthy way to live, is it? Pastor Mark will be teaching today about the attitude and mindset a follower of Jesus should take. You'll learn that it's very different from the way the world views hurting and hurt. You'll find out that although God doesn't do the hurting, He wants to use the hurt that will happen to you to change your character and make you someone who can help others in similar situations. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 as he continues his message, Growing Faith in God's Plan for Every Christ Follower. Now, we have faith that God can and will deliver us from every temptation. Now, watch this. So, endurance comes. You just wrote down trials build our endurance and faith. Write down 1 Corinthians 10 13. 1 Corinthians 10 13. Let me read it to you. The temptations in your life are no different than from what others experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so you can endure. Trials build our endurance and faith in God. I can endure. He will deliver us from every temptation. Paul knew, as I said, As he's writing, because he hadn't heard back from Timothy yet, he's thinking in his mind, we've heard the term, maybe they just threw the towel in. They're done. It was easier before I was a Christian, because I didn't have this kind of persecution. But no, they were trusting God's promise right in the middle of persecution and trouble. Number two, trials enable us to comfort and encourage Others in their faith. You can write down 2 Corinthians 1 4. I'll read it to you. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. Now, 
we're all a little selfish. And if I was writing that verse or that principle, I'd say, God, there's got to be another way to me to help other people without me having to go through it first. But no, that's not the way it works. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. You see, our Christian walk isn't about us. It's about the family of God. Why do we have grief share? If you know what grief share is, it's when somebody loses a loved one. Child, spouse, relative, friend, whatever. Why would they want to go through grief share? Because the people that are teaching grief share have already gotten over that because of God's help and comfort. And they can say, I've been there, done that, felt that way. Here we go. Why do we have divorce care here? See, if you just experienced divorce for the first time in your life, you don't really know where to go. So we have people that have already been through it. And God's brought them through. Why do we have divorce care for children? 25, 30 years ago, I'd never be saying any of this. But that's our world. Now, why do we have it for children? Because you know what happens in a divorce? Very often, the child thinks they're responsible. So much so that sometimes they just walk away as a child. They never get over it. So, again, that's a blessing for us to be able to go to people and say, been there, done that. Let's get together and pray. I can help you. Now, is that going to cost you time? Yes, but that's all right. We're supposed to love one another, and that's the way you do it. So understand that to comfort and encourage people is a thing from God. Now, third, trials enable us to take steps of faith in spreading the gospel. You can write Acts chapter 4, 29. You would think exactly the opposite. Man, I'd like to spread the gospel, but I don't want to have trials about this. Come on, let's just see what happens. Well, what did I just tell you in India? In New Delhi, where the Harvest Mission is, Calvary Chapel, Harvest Mission, as I said, they had a two-story building. Bottom was going to be the offices and the top of the church. Now there's no, people came in, just destroyed the whole top thing. And now they're going to have to sell the land, try to find someplace else, raise money again, move to a new place. Well, when you see all of that happening, what did we just see up here? Well, Look at what I just said to you. It helps us spread the gospel. How could that help spread the gospel? You know what's happening in China. They're closing churches everywhere. How can that spread the gospel? Well, let me read to you. After Peter and John were put in prison and they were told by the religious leaders, don't ever talk about Jesus. Did it stop them? No, let me read it to you. Now, Lord, here was their prayer. Consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Wow. By the way, that's exactly what's happening in India. When I was there with them and talking to the leadership and understood what just happened to their plans for the church, they weren't like moaning and groaning. They're just saying God's going to get us through it. Now, that's faith. They're not stopping. That graduation, sending those nine or ten kids, head right out out to share the gospel. Paul, he knew what he was talking about. So did Peter and John. They knew. Here's the one that I really like. God uses our history of trials to grow our faith. If you're a Christian, 
You have history with God. You have history with God. You've been through trials, troubles, difficulties. You name it. We've been through it. We're going to continue to do through it until we leave this earth. It's just the way life is. By the way, remember what we told you before. Unbelievers go through the same things. They just don't have God. They don't have faith that God can deliver them. We have faith that God's going to help us, comfort us, get us through it. It's going to happen. Now, think about this. What does it mean God uses our history of trials? Well, here's what I learned to do a long time ago. When God did something special because of a situation, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever, relational, money, whatever, those kind of things, I would just write down, God, you just blessed me. I look back at those days and all the different things physically that have happened to all of us and friends and people and our kids and getting divorces. We never thought our kids would ever get that and other family members joining the well, just a different way of marriage and things like that. Not ours, but relatives. You just never experience it. So as you go through that, and then God can do amazing things through all of that. That's your history. You should be writing down your history of how God came through. Because when we get discouraged, do you know what I do? I flip it back in my book. And I, when I was really sick two years ago, I wrote a lot of stuff in the middle of the night. And I went, I've gone back before, many times and remember the promises God gave me. It looked pretty dark to me. I never thought I'd ever get through. When I went through, praise the Lord. Because you guys keep praying. You had faith that God could touch me. And he did. But was it hard? Yes, it was. I want you to turn to your neighbor now. Just watch me. I want you to say this to your neighbor. God, you got me through. And you'll do it again. Come on now. God got me through, and you'll do it again. Is that right? Come on, let's say it like you mean it. God got me through, and he'll do it again. Come on, amen. Let's do it again. God got me through, and he will do it again. Why can I say that? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's never changing. He's for us. He's not against us. You have history with God. Go back to it. He's a good, good father. Amen. Here's why I wrote Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That's the God we serve. God uses prayer to grow our faith. Look at this statement. God uses prayer to grow our faith. What is prayer? Prayer demonstrates our faith. Because when I pray, I'm depending on God. I don't have the answer. And you'll see in a moment, that's exactly what Paul's going to do at the end. God uses it. He demonstrates our faith because we know nothing's impossible with God. Look at this verse. I took it from 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. 
that if, it's not a given, I have to do the praying. I have to do the asking. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Asking God to grow your faith is his will. I was thinking about that as God challenged me. It's not a bad thing for you to put down on a little piece of paper sometime in your devotional book. God, I want to have my faith growing. I want it to be active. I want it to be stronger. If I pray that, can I actually believe God will answer that? Of course, because it's his will. You can't please him without faith. So he wants us to do that. I think Adrian Rogers said this a long time ago. Pray, believe, and you will receive. Pray and doubt, and you'll do (laughs) without. I love it. Look it. Pray, believe, and you will receive. Pray and doubt, and you'll do without. Now, whose fault is that? My fault. If I don't pray, he doesn't answer. Ask, seek, and knock. Keep on asking. Keep on seeking. Keep on knocking. And that is God's way for us to grow in our faith. Now, sometimes we need a challenge in our life. Take a look at this. Would you want to know who built that? Was it built in China? Was it built by people that have never built a bridge before? Now, how many of you, I know there's crazy people out here. I know that. How many of you say, that, I love to do that? Let me see your hands. Praise the Lord. So that means you're going to start planting a church when God calls you to do it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha, gotcha. You're going to witness to that neighbor across the street that never, ever says anything to you. If you can walk on that baby, you can step out in faith for Jesus. Am I right? Now you want to put your hand up or you want to take it down? (laughs) Didn't know where I was going, did you? By the way, I didn't know where I was going. (laughs) Now, when you see that, God always challenges us to obey. That means the faith is growing. Now, when you look at that, I had some of the crazy other ones. My wife and I were looking at the 10 most dangerous roads in the world. Some of them cars, are you kidding me? By the way, if you don't like heights, that would not be your first place to go. Right? I don't like heights, but I put it up there for you. See, we have to be ready to obey God because we never know when he's going to say to us, step out. We don't know. We just have to trust him. And what happens, let's put that picture back up there just for a second. What would keep us from doing that, stepping out? Fear. Fear of what? Getting across. (laughs) Pastor, my guy, I got to see what the other side looks like. Well, probably from that place, you can't really see the other side. Is it going to be safe? And when I think about this, here's what I think about. People watching us do that. They're in their comfort zone. You know what God does? He likes to get us out of our comfort zone. Because if we're just sitting doing the same old, same old, that's never going to get us done. God knows how to challenge us. He challenged Paul. 
He challenged people all through the scripture. Remember, his disciples came to him one time and he just challenged them. Come on, I'm sending you out now. I told you how to do it. Let's see how you do. And that's the same for all of us. To live by faith requires trusting God in everything. Write it down. In everything. You can't define to God where you want me to take a step of faith out. No, God decides when he's going to do that, how he's going to do that, what he's going to do for you. That's the exciting things of life. Now look at Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know this verse by heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him that he's God, I'm not, and he will make your path straight. That is exactly what I'm trying to say to you. If I'm going to trust God, I have to trust God in every area of my life. I can't pick and choose. I just have to know. That's where the excitement is. God, you really want to do that? I remember the very first time I went to India in 1990. It was very different. I didn't even know what was happening, but it challenged me, and that kind of got me going to different places around the world. Linda didn't go with me in that, and then from then on, she's been going with me. It just put us in a different place because that's what God had done in our life. Now, Paul wanted to thank God for what was happening in the church, and he does a prayer. I'm going to go through it very quickly. Look at verse 9. How can we thank God enough for you in return for all the joy we've had in the presence of our God because of you? Notice, we can't thank God enough. Paul isn't saying, well, guys, I'm so proud of you over there, but it's really my teaching. No, he says, I thank God. Paul isn't taking any credit for it. It was God's word. It was God's presence. It was God's power that enabled them to become believers and defeat Satan and his temptations. I want to say to you, as I look at you guys, I want to thank you for your continued maturity and your growing and your faithfulness of coming and serving and giving. It's a great joy to all of our pastors, just as Paul's saying it. It's not about me. It's not about any of our pastors and elders. It's about God. And I just want to say congratulations. Now look what he does in verse 10 and 11. Night and day, Paul says, we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may God, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. You see three things in that two verses. His prayer life was consistent. His prayer life was personal. They were his spiritual children. His prayer life was specific. He wanted to take a trip back. Those three things are good when we think about praying. We pray consistently. It wasn't something that was spontaneous or just came into my mind. No, it was, they were on his heart. It was personal. It was about individuals. And, of course, it was what God, he wanted to get there. Now, why did he want to get there? Because he knew there was going to be ongoing battles. It doesn't, doesn't give up. It just keeps going. And, again, they're still young. Look at verse 12. Now, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. That's another thing I want to say thank you for. You know, we have a church. We love one another. That's what a church is. Love one another, comfort one another, encourage one another, challenge one another. Love is important in the church body. 
And he doesn't just include the church body. Notice what he says there. And everyone else. What is he reminding? He's reminding these new believers, okay, I know you're going through a difficult time, but it's not about you. It's about taking the gospel that changed you and taking it outside. So it keeps on mission. It keeps on mission. Verse 13. Now may he strengthen your hearts that you be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes with all his holy ones. Every chapter in 1 Thessalonians ends with a snapshot of the second coming of Jesus. Now, as we begin chapter 4, we'll be getting into the rapture and all the end time things. And that will carry over into the second book of Thessalonians. But notice, he wanted people to have an expectation. And often we don't think about eternity. Remember, this whole series is how to live life here. So we will spend life there forever. It's eternity. So Paul's reminding them, yeah, it's tough. It's difficult, but you're going to be victorious. Your faith is increasing. But remember, we're not citizens here. We're citizens of heaven. He's not saying be perfect. He says, live a life worthy of your calling. Because when I stand before God, you know, we're all going to be judged. As Christians, we're not going to be judged for our sins, but we're going to be judged for our motives and our giftings and how we use all of those things. How in the world can I end up growing in my faith and walking worthy before God? Here's how I do it. Last verse, Hebrews 12, 2. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. How do I do that? I do that through the word of God. Fix my eyes on Jesus. He is the word. I'm in the word. I believe the word. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. He was a pioneer. He was the role model of living a life of faith. Jesus finished his race triumphantly. The author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, notice the word, endured the cross. If we're going to finish our race, we need to keep Jesus in view, which enables our faith to keep growing stronger and stronger and stronger. It's growing. He started a work in you. He started a work in me. He will finish that work. Wherever you are, let me just say this to you. Don't be discouraged. The word of God builds my faith. Thanks for being in church. Thanks for reading. Thanks for having a quiet time. The word of God builds my faith. But trials, difficulties, troubles, all those things... They also build our faith. I gave you reasons for that. Now, why did God do that? Because he's trying to make us in the image of God so that we can be different and we can enjoy this walk, knowing that God isn't against us. He's for us. He who began a good work in you will finish it. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark talked about some of the reasons you go through trials and hardships. Among the most important was your need to learn to show empathy to someone else. In addition, due to your having endured trials with God's help, you can be an encouragement to someone else, pointing them to Jesus as the only one who can truly give lasting comfort. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. This concludes Pastor Mark's teaching, Growing Faith is God's Plan for Every Christ Follower. Next time, he'll begin the teaching, Live to Please God. Pastor Mark will teach about the requirement of the Christ follower to actually follow Christ, obeying God just as Jesus did. You'll hear how to live a life as a devoted Christian, trusting God and loving both God and people. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.